Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boxing fans. I have not done a boxing update in a significant while, mostly because there hasn't been enough worth covering until recently, and we're starting to see a shift in the old guard to the new guard of boxing on all levels, all divisions, which makes it worth now having at least more conversations about these different up-and-coming uprising stars so i'm going to do a series of analyses pieces around these people and unfortunately there are certain avenues and forums like nsb and other places that are unrealistically overrating a certain subset of fighters based on flashiness that is a that's a pattern i'm seeing that the flashy fighter is who people are supporting as the next level great and then the fundamental fighters who are solid, who actually land, but they don't look that pretty, are called either boring or plotters or whatever the case is. So previously, in a past situation, this was somebody like Billy Joe Saunders, who was a flashy guy. He was certainly flashy against David Lemieux, and everybody jumped on the bandwagon of, of, of Saunders, saying Canelo's ducking him, and Saunders is this great level fighter, and then... Saunders gets in there with Canelo. I told people before the fight, this is not a 50-50 fight. Canelo's going to destroy this guy. Nobody listened. We saw what happened. Saunders gets his face smashed in. Because what happens is people are ignoring fundamentals. So now, hindsight being what it is, people are trying to rewrite history and say that, well, Canelo aged him out or Canelo ducked him or Saunders didn't look that good so he's on the decline or all these excuses because the frank truth is that you have certain guys like a Canelo who are just so much better than everybody else that it uh, you reach your imagination. That, but that's because he proves it. He goes in there. He proves it. He has beaten champion after champion after champion. He has unified and unified and unified. In certain cases, he's beaten champions back to back. And he's done it in pretty strong fashion overall. So that's what I look for out of these fighters, is that you are beating champions after champions after champions. You are dominant every single time out. There's, to this day, Canelo has only ever lost to the best to ever do it. And he's only ever come close to losing when he was a young, really young guy. And that was with, I think it was Cotto's younger brother. So when I fast forward now and we look for the next crop of star, Floyd's out. He's essentially gone. Manny is retired. He's openly retired. Canelo, he's still in his prime. I think he's 33, 34. So he's still got at least three-ish years before we start seeing significantly decline from this guy, especially because of what I'm about to talk about, which is the current crop of up-and-comers and the people who have been mostly protected because they're being given not so much bad fighters, but they're lesser fighters that are clearly not in their class from a resume perspective. And when we look at the current up-and-coming crop, there are very few standouts, very few. And there are some unexpected ones. One I want to talk about right now is this Jaron Boots Ennis guy that everybody, NSB going crazy with this guy, Reddit's going crazy with this guy. Okay, fine. I watched that. They, they, they claim he beats the crap out of Crawford and Spence on the same night and he's beats Brian Floyd. And Okay, I watched this guy. He's a solid fighter. He's a very good fighter. However, just like with guys like, unfortunately, because I like him a lot and I think he's the next star, Blair the Flair Cobbs, the problem is that certain guys 
I like characters in boxing. I like that you have a something that makes you stand out. However, you also have to temper that with a realism when you go in that ring that you are putting your life on the line. So when I watch a boxing match, I want to feel that energy of two guys putting their lives on the line. I want to feel that it looks like a 50-50 on paper, but when they go in there, one guy just simply shows the other guy, you're not in my class, but it looks like 50-50, and that's resume speaking. With Jerron Boots Ennis, he has not stepped up to fight any caliber fighter I would rate as a threat, in my opinion. That's number one. That's not all his fault because he's still an up-and-comer. So I'm not holding it against them. I'm saying that that stands out of my mind when I when I rate him is I cannot rate him equivalent to somebody like Errol Spence because it's not close in terms of the threats you face. Errol Spence has faced threats. Even the ones that NSB will dismiss as threats, the truth is Errol Spence has faced threats. Ocampo was a threat regardless of what you think about it. After the fact, in hindsight, that was a threat. Algeri was tentatively a threat. Because Algeria is a fundamentally better boxer. It still didn't matter. Porter was certainly a threat. And Danny Garcia was certainly a threat. Mikey Garcia was not a threat. But NSB and others hyped up Mikey as a threat. So I have to count him as a threat, even though I didn't think he was a threat. And smart people didn't. So resume compare, I cannot even come close with Jerron Boots Ennis and an Errol Spence. Now, if I look at Jerron Boots Ennis versus Terrence Crawford, I still can't make a direct correlation because at minimum, if I look at Jose Benavidez and Jeff Horn, just those two fighters at 147, because I'm only focusing on 147 with these guys. If I just look at those two guys, those two guys destroy anybody Jerron Boots Ennis has fought. So I cannot even dare make that correlation. Now, when I watch Ennis, I see essentially Adrian Broner, we're talking the DeMarco era, when he was truly the standout. He visually looked like he was going to go somewhere. And he did. I'm not dismissing that he was a He's a four-division champion, which makes it meaningless if you think about it. But I look at a Ennis and I see a guy in the ring that from a performance perspective, he is what Broner used to be. And that's all I see. I see significant mistakes in the sense of he's fighting down to the level of his opponent, right? So a lot of fighters make this mistake, which is they'll fight to the level of their opponent, or at least the level they think their opponent's at, and they don't do everything they can to get the guy out of there. That's not saying Ennis isn't getting knockouts. I'm saying that I like people, again, where it looks like it's 50-50, but the other one makes sure I'm clear that that was nowhere in your class, and I'm not seeing a bunch of time waste to get to that point. So if I look at somebody like Deontay Wilder, who NSB and others discredit, the fact is Deontay Wilder actively worked to get people out of there with the exception of Stavern. I don't, uh, the first fight, I don't know why he chose to fight that way, but it gave a different, it showed a different dimension of his game, truly. And at the end of the day, he was a guy, other than that, you talk Dominic Brazil, left him stiff. <laughs> you, even Fury, he dropped Fury four times. No other fighter has been able to get that effective against Tyson Fury. It didn't matter, but the point is, Wilder actively tried to get the person out of there. He was not doing excessive showboating. I think the only ones I can think of might have been Eric Molina, if I'm thinking about it, and Spilka, and perhaps a couple others. Beyond that, 
he was not doing excessive. I'm talking excessive showboating where your 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 mental goal is just to make the fans pop for you, as we used to use in wrestling terms. Your goal is not to get your opponent out of your face. I like the ones who their goal is to get the opponent out of their face. Period. Point blank. Your goal, my objective, is to make sure I am not here longer than I need to. Now, I do appreciate that fighters need to, as they say, accumulate rounds. They need rounds in the books. They need that experience. If you're just sparking everybody out in the first round, you're not getting rounds experience, which I would argue. That's why I say Jose Benavides and Jeff Horn, because those are the only two fighters that were able, because they were not completely washed beyond repair, were able to take Crawford to some extended rounds at 147. So that gave Crawford some experience, some tactical experience with extended rounds. Arguably, Jose Benavides might have beat Crawford had his knee not given out. So if I look at this equality of Ennis versus Crawford, I cannot say today that Ennis beats Crawford even hard because Ennis has not gained the rounds he needs against true threats, danger. So he has not been under war. He has not been tested, as we say, to a degree where I can confidently know, yay or nay. I can tell you right now, right now, that Errol Spence beats Ennis. I say that because Spence is tested. He is battle-tested. He has been through wars, absolute wars, with some of the toughest at 147. And he has come out, and only Sean Porter came close to really beating him. You could argue Kell Brook, but he has been battle-tested with extended rounds, which I appreciate. And when he was able to do what he did to somebody like Danny Garcia, though unmotivated, told me that he's able to avoid those dangerous punches that might take you out. He chose to fight Sean Porter's battle. When Sean Porter drew him in, he said, okay, fine, I'll do it. No, it was not Spence one-sided. It was a very close fight. It could have gone either way. But Spence came out largely unscathed and dropped Sean Porter, being the only second person to do so while under fire and ultimately walked Porter back. So I see that Porter is certainly, certainly a tougher fighter than Boots Ennis is. So given what I'm seeing from these guys, I can confidently say Spence beats Ennis straight out of the gate. Unless Spence is so damaged from his accident and his eye injury that he's he's on the decline, which we don't know. Because the Porter fight took place before all the accident, before all the injury. The Garcia fight took place after the accident, and I would argue he beat Garcia way easier than he ever beat Sean Porter. Garcia didn't have a chance. It all, he almost washed him. So I we don't know with, Sean, with, with Spence, rather, what his physical state is. It's not his skill. It's physical state. Is he on the decline because of his injuries? That's what we don't know yet until we get him back in there. I would like to see Spence fight Thurman because that would tell me confidently, is this guy on the decline? And then I can re-engage and say, okay, is it just Ennis have a chance to upset him? Because it would be an upset. It would be a drastic upset. With Crawford, I say Crawford blows out Boots Ennis. I say Crawford embarrasses Boots Ennis. I say Crawford completely destroys this guy. Not because I'm saying that Ennis is not a good fighter. I'm saying that Ennis does not have the experience in the war, in the trenches. It's similar like Tank and Raleigh Romero. Ennis doesn't have that war in him to be able to deal with what's coming at him, at least from what we can see. And because of this, we can easily tell that guys like a Crawford, like a Spence, even I'll say Porter, 
I'm sorry, it's not close. In my assessment, it's not close. Could he go in there and prove me wrong? Absolutely. I would love nothing more. But he's going to have to take some tests. He's going to have to take some threats. There are some names I would love to see him in there with that would give me a good sense of where he is as a fighter. Number one on that list is Jordanius Ugas. I would love to see that fight because Ennis, as a fighter, he, he seems to excel against bigger guys. Ugas is a bigger guy. But Ennis relies on strong body work. He relies on his opponent to make critical mistakes, to be able to land shots. He, he's, he's a timer, right? So he times his shots really well. Jordanius Ugas is basically him times five. Like he has better fundamentals at boxing and the jab. He is better effective at keeping you away from him. And when you do come in, he is better able to deflect and then counter. It's If you watched what he did against Manny Pacquiao, it was an eye thing of beauty. That fight told me Ennis and or Ugas would be a great fight to watch because it would let me know just how good Ennis is against somebody who is basically visually superior at his own game. And that's what I would need to see. Virgil Ortiz, that one's a toss-up. It's a difficult fight to call only because... I think Ortiz is one of those that is a breakdown fighter. He's going to eventually break you down. To break you down, he'd have to catch you. And I'm not sure Ortiz would be able to catch Ennis for a sustain. To me, that fight's like it's going to end in a draw when it shouldn't, one of those fights. But I see that Ennis would be fundamentally more solid than Ortiz. And only because, again, Ennis is good at avoiding getting hit, if that makes any sense, where Ortiz relies on being able to hit you. He's not as good at avoiding getting hit as we saw against Kavalaskis. So Ortiz, I I think that fight ends in a draw when it shouldn't because I think that Ennis would basically be the superior boxer than Ortiz. In my mind, this is what I'm seeing at a periphery view. If I put Ennis in there against somebody like Jamal James, I think Ennis blows Jamal James out the water. I don't think much of Jamal James. I'm not sure why he was made regular champion. I understand he's a decent fighter. But I don't see I don't see he has anything for Ennis, and I think Ennis blows him out of the water from what I see. Now you get to the to be the star, the star of the show. But you know what? Let me cover a couple more. Connor Ben, he's been testing 147 here and there. Connor Ben's only issue is that Connor Ben relies on power that isn't really strong power. He's a swarmer. He can't one punch knock you out. But he's a swarmer. He's aggressive. He has constant activity. And that tends to win over judges. And in some cases, possibly make your fighter quit or make the ref do a bullshit stoppage. But, you know, I I think for me, I want to say Connor Ben gets Connor Ben and Ennis. It's almost like Ennis would look spectacular but not do anything, if that makes any sense. Like he would basically wow the judge. It's like um, there's a fight, Meister versus Fox, recently. And this guy, Fox, he's doing flashy stuff. He's not landing, but he looks all amazing. And everybody swears it's a blowout. And I'm telling them, what are you looking at? You're crazy. What are you talking about? I, and I don't see it. I don't see what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what this is. And so I just said, look, this is not, <laughs> this guy's not doing anything. He's not landing. Nothing's landing. Nothing's injuring. Whereas, Meister is landing solid shots to the body, solid shots upstairs. When he does land, his, his accuracy is not that great, but every time he lands, he's doing major damage. 
and Ennis being everybody is just all everybody flashy. That's how I see Ennis against Connor Ben. That Ennis would be flashy and everything, but he wouldn't be effective, and Connor Ben would be landing the more signature shots, and Connor Ben would likely get get robbed in the, in the result. So I, I don't rate that one. Uh, I it's. It, it would be a good fight, but it's not a fight I want to see because I can imagine that happening. That Ennis just looks flashy, but he isn't doing anything. And then Ennis being everybody goes crazy for the guy when he didn't deserve it. So I don't want to see that one. No. Um, Sebastian Formella is still out there. I don't know what his plan is at 147. I guess he was 20 154, but he used to be the IBO welterweight champion at 147. He no longer is. Nobody knows why. Nobody seems to care. He has two losses against Conor Ben and Sean Porter. Sebastian Formella is the toughest guy. I'm saying toughest at 147 right now, including Sean Porter, because Sebastian Formella, even when he was at war with Sean Porter, he was still throwing back. He was still fighting and he never went down. Porter never could drop him, never could really significantly hurt this guy. Same with Conor Ben. Conor Ben couldn't drop him. Conor Ben couldn't hurt this guy. He's just tough. He's just rugged tough. And he has fundamental skills, but he doesn't have the power he can't make his opponent respect him. And when you can't make him respect you, you can't do anything about it. I think Boots Ennis is becomes the first to stop Sebastian Formella. I don't think he knocks him out. I think he stops him. I do think he possibly drops him once. I think Ennis just otherwise, it's a blowout. It's not even a fight worth having. But it would be exciting for as long as it lasts. And it would end in a stoppage is my what my gut instinct tells me. Um, there's other ones like Stenionis is another one I don't. I, I haven't watched enough of Stan Jonas, but from what I have seen, I don't think it's a fight. I think it's a bad style matchup, personally. I don't think it's a fight worth having, in my opinion. Um, if Cavalaskis stays at 147, he's a pretty thick 147, but if he stays at 147, that would be a good test for Boots Ennis, I think. That would be a really good test, even though Cavalaskis is coming off two losses. I think it would be a good test because it would test him against somebody who is otherwise... He doesn't have one plus knockout power, but he's otherwise strong enough to make you respect him. But would he even land is the question. Cavalasca is a very good counterpuncher. So I still think Ennis would be evasive enough that he would perform very well, but I think he'd get clipped just like Virgil did, just like Crawford did. I think he'd get clipped, and I think he would get him out, Cavalaskis. I think Ennis would get Cavalaskis out of there by, say, the 10th round. I think it's I think it's one of those where it just and this would be too much after he steps it up after he gets clipped and dropped and exposed. So, is it a fight worth seeing? I say yes. I think that would be a good test for him. I don't think we ever will, but if we do, I think it's a great fight to see to get a good sense of what he's doing. Uh, Danny Garcia is going to 154. The last one on the list, the star of the show, Blair the Flair Cobbs. That's a fight I would love to see. Is Ennis against Blair Cobbs? Here's why. Blair Cobbs is just as flashy as Boots Ennis. So you go back to other guys like Nassim Hamed, uh, Kevin Kelly, and there's this, there's, you can tell there's this true one-upsmanship going on in the ring to the two guys, and that creates good energy in the, in the arena, and it makes the fight. That's what I see with these two. You got two absolutely brash, cocky guys going in there trying to one-up each other, but at the same time, they're both, you know, Blair is a wild fighter. Blair is not afraid to go out there and start throwing and try to land something and get you out of there. Ennis is precise, but evasive. That would be an excellent fight. Right now, though, outside of what I just listed, to me, the next I would love to see Ennis would be Blair Cobbs. I don't think it'll happen. 
or Cavalaskis, I don't think it'll happen. Uh, Virgil Ortiz might be nice. I don't think it'll happen. So him talking about, I beat Crawford, I beat Spence, he's way too, he's out, he's not in the league from my perspective. I think he needs to be tested. Just like I say, Crawford needs to be tested. He hasn't been tested either at 147. I think Boots Ennis needs to be tested. He needs to have more fights that test. Is he really as good as he appears or is he just a flash in the pan? And we need to see this. We need to see more of him, but I people are going to rate who they rate. I don't rate him today because I see what Broner used to be. And that means he just has not met his Chino Maidana yet. Once he meets his Chino Maidana, and who knows if there's such a fighter, but once he meets that Chino Maidana type person where it should be an easy win for him, but he struggles and then he ultimately loses, that's where we're going to see the rubber meet the road. Um, but we haven't got to that point yet. So that's me. I don't know.